Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brothers Fantasy Football Podcast, a podcast by two brothers discussing their takes on fantasy football, providing any other fun and analysis that comes their way. I am one of the hosts. I am the younger brother. My name is Derek. The other host is my older brother. His name is Daryl. Daryl, how you doing today, my man? Week six is over. I'm good, man. Yeah. Six of them things in the books. Crazy. Yeah, it was, uh, this is one of the best and worst weeks of, uh, of football, um, that, that I can recall from, from this year. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to slice and dice it up with you. Yeah, it was a mix of everything this week. It was some good, some bad, some ugly, definitely got some ugly to start the week, but you know, we, we power through it. And to finish keep, it. Yeah, and to finish it. And we, we power through it. We keep watching because we love this game, man. But let's go ahead and get started. Let's get into okay. our our usual segment to start the week. Wrap that ish up, B. Yo, the sign is real simple, B. It says wrap it up. Yes, sir. Wrap it up. This is our weekly segment where we go through the highlights, the lowlights, and any other notes are things that caught our attention for the week. Wrap it up, put in the ball, and we move forward to the next week. So to start the segment off, we got to go to the big show, which we referenced last week, Buffalo versus KC. In this matchup, Buffalo gets the win 24 to 20. We're going to start on their side with Buffalo. Josh Allen, 27 for 40, 329 and three tutties. Also gave you 32 yards on the ground with 12 carries. Devin Singletary, 17 for 85 on the ground. Very efficient. And then four for 22 on five targets. So 21 opportunities for that man. Stephon Diggs, 10 for 148 on a touchdown on 13 targets. Davis, Gabe Davis, 3 for 74 with one (laughs) touchdown. And then we even got a little sprinkle of Dawson Knox this week with a touchdown with three catches on 37 yards. So, Daryl, this Buffalo-KC game, what caught your eye on the Buffalo side? Well... Josh Allen played just about as well as you'll you'll see a quarterback play. Like it was, he he was spectacular. He 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 was he was spectacular. He outdueled Mahomes. Like he he legit like in, in the very like literal sense outplayed him. Um, it's it it was amazing to see. And and that's not to say Mahomes played bad. I'm just we're just saying like between two you know grand maestros playing the position on a given Sunday. Um, he, he, he played better and his team came out on top. Um, the crazy thing is like he, there was a little meat left on the bone with, um, you know, he had the three, uh, the three throwing touchdowns and Isaiah McKenzie had dropped the touchdown in the end zone on like a fourth yeah. and three. Um, yep. it was, yeah, you, you remember that play? Yeah, it was, I don't know what happened. Man's man's feet just got tangled up uh, with 
themselves and <laughs> ended up uh ended up you know dropping what would have been just like a surefire touchdown like he wasn't about to get from what I can recall he wasn't about to get blown up or anything um so Josh Allen's day could have been uh even bigger um you know you you mentioned Singletary and we talked about him um in our preview show for last week that you know, this was looking to be a good matchup for him. And it ended up it ended up being so, you know, he could have got a little icing on the cake if he had been able to get into the end zone and whatnot. But yeah, you know, for 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 this kind of matchup and for where you drafted him this year, for him to be putting on, you know, these kind of performances, you know, this is this is amazing. And the kind of the I guess one of the more important takeaways about this was Zach Moss was a healthy scratch in this game. And, you know, this is a very, very important game. Buffalo came into the day with just Zach Moss, excuse me, with just a Singletary and James Cook, which, you know, is going to lead to something that we'll, t- that we'll get to when we start talking about our waivers. But, you know, ju- just from seeing the initial active roster for the game day that that told you all you needed to see about who the coaching staff views as, you know, their important backs going forward. And, you know, take a minute to just just take a quick little second to single out Stefan Diggs. Like you said already, uh, 10 receptions, 148 yards and a touchdown uh, on 13 targets. Um, he was he was pretty highly ranked coming into the year. Um, I would say you know he would tend to go um, kind of late first round, early second roundish type of thing. And it's funny for a guy who was taken that high, he's still like giving you some fantasy profit from that. You know, like right. he is a guy he he should have been. You know, even though Jamar Chase had had a good day. Um, and, and, and everything, and, you know, he may have turned things around for himself. Throughout this first six weeks, Steph Diggs has made it clear that he should have been, at worst, the third receiver off the board uh, during during draft season because, you know, it was going it was going Cup, Jeff, Cup and Jefferson in some order, and then Chase was coming off next. Maybe you sprinkle in a Devontae or um, – or whatnot, but you know, once you got around to, once you got around to Devonte, C.D. Lamb, Steph Diggs, they were all kind of in the in, in the same kind of bag. Steph Diggs, in you know, especially like in a PPR, he very well should have been going top half of the um, of, of of the first round. Um, you know, basically, you're flipping a coin between him and Eckler is the way it, it should have uh, it, it should have been playing out for that. Uh, for that fifth or sixth spot, I would say. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's just kind of crazy to think that a guy who was drafted in the back half of the first round, maybe early second round, is outperforming his his uh, his ADP. It's like there's not much room to go from that point, but he he found that room. It's kind of <laughs> like it's kind of like with basically like with, with Saquon, the, the way he was going, like kind of early first round. And he's 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 paying that off in space this year, and then yeah, the Gabe Davis train kept on rolling, and um, there was a Dawson Knox sighting. That was uh, that that was good to see. 
And uh, just real quick on Knox, then, you know, I'll throw it back to you. Uh, my recollection from, from, from looking into this is that he is, uh, his rap participation was pretty dang good this week. Um, he, he was out there, you know, on 80 plus percent of the routes, which is what you want to look for. And I know like we kind of, well, I spoke about him last week and I was, I was down on him because of injuries and not being involved up to this point in the season. If, if this is the start of, you know, him trending back towards his usage from last year, that would be a very great thing to see. And, you know, it would be if he's on waiver wires, he's someone I would suggest you pick up just because tight end is a dumpster fire eternally and it's a piece of the Buffalo offense. So, you know, get in. I don't I can't even really say a week early because the man caught a touchdown and had three receptions and thirty seven yards, but you know, don't let it get to be two weeks in a row that he does this and then you're really having to throw monster fab at him, like this would be a good time to get after him. Um so yeah, that's kinda that's kinda my my Buffalo take in a nutshell. Uh, what, what, what you got on it, man? Yeah, it was mainly two things I was looking at or focused on on this game. First, with Singletary, um, I didn't know Zach Moss was a healthy scratch until um, during the middle of the game or something like that when I found out. But you know, twenty-one opportunities. Most as people I mentioned, didn't know till thirty minutes before the game. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So 21 opportunities is is just crazy. He was out there for 63 of the 73 snaps. He ran 30 routes and got, you know, three targets, which, you know, that target share isn't great or anything. But again, 20, 21 touches, it's like gravy. You know, we love that. The other thing I was looking at was that wide receiver three, um, battle between McKenzie and Sh- Shakur. And McKenzie was out there for 58% of the snaps, and Shakur was out there for 20%. Uh, McKenzie, again, like you mentioned, about he has some opportunities that slipped through his hands. So I don't know if that's going to have an effect on the weeks going forward, but it's not as if he's actually securing this this number three um, wide receiver on this team like that. So I would still definitely roster him and we'll talk about Shakira a little bit later. And that's, that's what I had on Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, McKenzie certainly left the door open. He, he certainly left the door open for, you know, if not, if not for Shakira to come in and take his job to, you know, have Shakira come into that Jamison Crowder role and eat away just enough to where you don't have, um, supreme confidence to start McKenzie every week. So yeah, that was, that was disappointing to see from the man, Isaiah Mack. For yeah, sure. We're on the Kansas city. What? Yeah. So Kansas what city, on them, uh, what you got on them chiefs, man? Let's go through some of the stats first with Patty Mahomes, 25 for 40. He threw two picks, but had 338 yards, two touchdowns. Gave you 21 um, yards on the ground. Juju, man, 5 for 113 and 1 on 5 targets. Kelsey was 8 for 108 on 10 targets. Uh, McCall Harmon got a touchdown in this game on 42 yards with 3 receptions. And MVS was on the win sprint team. Um, He did have a (laughs) 9% 
target share, but no stats, zero, none. So my, my takeaway here is first with, with Juju, um, man, you saw some after the catch play, you know, after the catch, you know, playmaking ability there. And not that I didn't think he didn't have it, but it was just something great to see with him on that. Um, so I'm still confident with him as a solid wide receiver three on my team. Well, not, not let me say solid, but as a wide receiver three play, I'm perfectly fine with him. Kelsey did his thing. And then the other thing I'll touch upon is the running backs. I didn't even pull any of their stats. <laughs> None of it was relevant <laughs> or, or good here. Um, I'll leave that to you if you want to go over any of the um, snap share or target share, but it was not good for our boy CEH and he cannot keep getting away with it. He didn't hear. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't have the, I don't have like the, the usage metrics laid out, but before me, and it's pretty much for the reason that you just outlined is that there's really nothing, nothing to report. Um, CEH's star has, you know, fallen back to earth or, you know, how, however you want to phrase that analogy. And it's, it's not, it's not surprising. We've been talking about this for weeks that he was getting, you know, just ultra, ultra efficient point production out of, out of a very, I don't want to say unimpressive usage profile, but he had like an RB3's usage profile, but you know, when, when we did our, um, when we did our, you know, kind of quarter of the season um, look back, he was at RB4 at the time, I want to say, when we did that. And so, yeah, it was very, you know, it was clear as day to see that that was unsustainable. And so, you know, he's kind of dropping back down to earth. Um, you know, it's it's kind of funny. He is the lead back in that backfield, but he's in the same position as Pacheco and McKinnon in that he could be greatly helped by an injury to one of the other two, um, which is which is a weird thing to to say about the lead back, but you know it, that that just is where it is. Um, to talk about Mahomes for for a quick second, he was guilty of committing some ridiculous ridiculousness out there on the field too, just like Josh Allen was. Like he played he played in he played an excellent game. Except for that, you know, that backbreaking end of the game, uh, yeah. end of the game pick that that basically sealed things. Um, but you know, like that's, I imagine that's what the games between these two teams, you know, when they're both at, you know, full health or close to full health, I imagine that's what those games between those two teams are going to come down to. It's just you know, who makes the big mistake. That you know, because there's just such a, there's just such a um, whoever gets the ball last vibe between between those two teams. That you know, that that interception, those two interceptions were basically enough. They they were enough daylight um, b between his performance and Josh Allen's performance that um, that you know ended up being the difference in the game. But you know, from a fantasy point of view. Mahomes was stellar. I mean, you can't uh, 
only thing you can only more only thing more you can ask for is maybe another touchdown or two or another running or, or a running touchdown. But you know, you gotta try not to be too greedy, especially with quarterback with the state of the quarterback position in fantasy this year. You know, he's one of the four that is a difference maker this year. So if you have him, um, I would say bite your tongue on any complaints if you if you do in fact have any. Um, as for that wide receiver core, Juju had a great performance. Um, I don't get the feeling that what he did was sustainable. But as you said um, about your, you know, having him as your wide receiver three, like that's what a wide receiver three would do would pop off with something like this every once in a while. Right. Because if he could be counted on to do this on a week in week out basis, he'd be a wide receiver one or wide receiver two. Um, I'll just say, I'll just go so far as to say, I don't expect this from, from Juju on a week in week out basis. I, I think it's going to be a rotation. It was, it was his turn. Um, it, it was his turn this, his turn this week. And I think just as easily next game, it could be Hartman. It could be MVS. I just don't, just don't think any one of those guys is is a lock to uh, to perform for you. And you know, Travis Kelsey did Travis Kelsey things. There's there's no need to really get too far into it. If he didn't score four touchdowns this week, but you know, Thank he, you. he got you a top two performance. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, for those of us who were <laughs> counting on the four-week touchdown, uh, the four touchdowns per week, you know, we got to go back to the drawing board on that one. But eight for 108 from the tight end position, you will take that every week of the season. So, yeah. All it was, day, every day. Yeah, just a just, just an absolutely great game. And looking forward to seeing these two teams butt heads again um, come January, February. So, yeah. Just praying everybody stays healthy, and we get uh, we, we get we get this rematch again. Hopefully, in Kansas City again, if I might say, because I mean, I like watching Buffalo play, but I don't, I don't want this game to get all snowy and windy and blustery and all that all that stuff. Like, I want to see, I want to see those horses run wild. Um, you know, <laughs> either pray for the game to be in Kansas City or for an unseasonably temperate day in uh in Buffalo if the game is indeed played in Buffalo. But anyway, hell, we can sit here and talk all day about about these two teams, but we got more to get to. We do indeed. Let's keep on going with the wrap up. Let's look at some teams and do some team recaps here. First team we'll start with is the sorry I lied to you Martin. I just didn't want to go to Arizona Cardinals. Shout out to Martin. That was a great, great show. Great, great segment when that happened. The kid lying, or them lying about um, it not being Martin's kid and him not wanting to go back to Arizona. So funny. Anyways, uh, the Cardinals took on the Seattle Seahawks. They lost 19-9. We expected fireworks in this game. Of course, we did not get it. Um. Main thing I'll, I'll recap here stat-wise is Kyler Murray had 222 passing yards, and then he also gave you 100 yards on the ground. Definitely um, salvaged his day. Didn't have any touchdowns and did throw a pick. 
Um, the thing we want to get into with Arizona the fumble. Oh, yeah. Can't forget the fumble. <laughs> the thing we want to get into with Arizona here on, on this is them going forward and the offense. Unfortunately, Marquise Brown suffered a foot injury that will have him out indefinitely, at least from our last read from Cliff Kingsbury, um, unless unless you have a timeline, Daryl. Um, so, yeah, going forward, Brown out. Hopkins is going to be coming back from his suspension. Oh, yeah. And then they trade for Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson from the Carolina Panthers is coming in here. Along with they have A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, the ghost of Andy Isabella. <laughs> um, and, of course, Zach Ertz is in here, too. So I'm going to throw it to you. What are your prospects for these playmakers for the Arizona Cardinals going forward? It's just super hard to be optimistic about this offense because as we talked about on the week six preview show from last week, this was supposed to be the get right spot. You know, every, everybody, the Seahawks have faced, you know, well, the Seahawks have been giving it up to everybody they have faced. I want to say, um, I I heard a stat that they were giving up 3.6 touchdowns, an average of 3.6 touchdowns per game. That Seattle defense coming into this game and, the Cardinals offense didn't score one. You know, it was, it was as, <laughs> it was as, oh, man. it was Sorry. as anemic an offensive performance that you could see as, as you, as you would, uh, as you would ever hope to see. You wouldn't hope to see this. It was just terrible. It was just terrible. And, you know, I brought up, uh, I brought up last week when we talked about this game that I fully expected Kyler Murray to be a top four or five quarterback this week and the man couldn't get one rushing I mean excuse me one well not one rushing or throwing touchdown if you watch that game it was it was just awful it was a game like you wanted to turn it off especially when Arizona had the ball so when you ask about um you know the the state of their of, of their fantasy assets I have I have no faith in in any of these guys except except Kyler because and it's not so much from Kyler anything that Kyler himself is doing it's just relative to the rest of the quarterback position you know if you don't have Mahomes Josh Allen Lamar or Jalen Hurts Kyler is about the next best option that that, that you could have or like the highest ceiling option. I would say that that you can have, and that's just because of it's because they pass the hell out of the ball. I, I believe they're um, averaging the most dropbacks in the league, and because of his um, and because of his rushing upside. So, like, it's kind of like a, a volume based quarterback play, in the same way that you know last season, especially Najee Harris was a volume based running back play. You know, the efficiency wasn't going to be there, but the man got the ball so damn much. You know, you were playing his opportunity. This is what you have with Kyler in this Arizona offense. The hope is that they turn this around, but, you know, Kingsbury's been there for four or five years now. Below 500 record. Has put nothing on tape in a sustained way that's 
that leads you to think that, I mean, how even going back to college, that would lead you to think that, you know, they're going to get this turned around, you know, Bobby Anderson, you know, he's going to step into that Marquise Brown role, quote unquote, but, you know, you haven't seen much for him from him in, in a few years. And he's not, Marquise Brown is just a better player at, at this point, but, you know, Robbie could be in this. He's going to be on the field all-stars. Um, so you could run him like that. D-Hop, you know, he's a pro. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a legend. Got to see it. To, to my mind, though, I want to see it get done, you know, before I have much faith in him. Like, I want to see him producing before I just have faith. If I had him on any of my managed league teams, which I don't, I would be firing him up. Uh, you know, going going forward because this uh, this is a heavy pass volume offense, but I wouldn't expect him to come in. Definitely not be a wide receiver. Well, I'd be happy if I could get him to be like a mid tier wide receiver too. I just and everything else in this offense is just kind of it's just kind of pieces. You know, I don't at this point I. I was about to say something dumb. I was about to say I couldn't be lower on the offense. Then I remembered that the Panthers exist. Um, so I, I, I can't go that far, but I couldn't be more <laughs> disappointed in a, in an offense that you can't even trust them in smash spots to even half smash. You know, it's, 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 it's just like kind of a throw your hands up thing and just, you know, you, you, you're going to play your guys. You're going to play D-Hop. You're going to play Kyler. Um, you know, Benjamin was a bit of a disappointment given – I mean, Seattle had been terrible against the run too. And just just all the, just, just all around. This is a – this organization is so poorly run and in such a poor state <laughs> right now that it's – Oh, man. It's true. It's It's – it's true. It's just so hard to have faith in any of these things. And you just got to hope that they, that they turn it around. And, um, you know, to me, there's not much hope here. I'm like, I said, I'm going to play Kyler. I'm going to play D hop. I'll play, you know, Benjamin, as long as Connor is out, but I'm there. I'm never confident about it. And they're still in that bin of put them in my lineup. Don't watch the game. Just check the box score at the end. Hopefully there's some goodness there waiting for me under the Christmas tree. Um, yeah. Sorry to be so negative there. You, you, you got any good news or, or anything like that on, on them? Like, um, can, can, can you pull us out of the muck and the mire <laughs> that I drug us down into there? I mean, why, why I gotta be the, the positive guy today? Um, yeah. So my you don't prospects... have to, man. I hope you can pile on right there with me. <laughs> My prospects on them going forward is pretty much the startable pieces of what you said of Kyler, um, Connor, and or Benjamin, if Connor is out, and D-Hob. Those are guys you're firing up regardless. Um, with, with Hopkins coming back from the suspension, I, I I don't care who you have in your flex. He's, he needs to be in one of those flexes. And this is just my opinion because – of the relationship him and Kyler have shown on the field and, you know, his number one of 
Marquise Brown is now off of the field, quote unquote, like he's going to, he's battling targets with Zach Ertz, Robbie Anderson, and AJ Green. No, you're, you're firing up Hopkins, no doubt on that. Now, the rest of those guys, they had Hopkins, they have AJ Green, they have Marquise Brown, they have Rondell Moore. Brown goes down. Don't elevate Green. They say, nah, we're going to get Robbie Anderson. AJ Green is on win sprint alert per usual. So you're not picking him up. You're not doing anything there. Robbie Anderson, I would be I would be picking up, but I'm not putting him in my lineup just to see how things are going. I'm interested to see what transpires with Ertz and Rondell Moore going forward. I think you're going to still be starting Zach Ertz uh, simply because of the tight end landscape. But when Hopkins was there, it wasn't really too, too fruitful with Hopkins um, or for Ertz when Hopkins was there. So, you know, I'm not saying be on alert, but just be just be aware of that. But yeah, o- overall, I, I don't have any added positivity <laughs> to this. So I think that's just the situation of what it is. Hopkins, Ertz, um, Eno Benjamin or James Conner in and wait to see on the rest, in my opinion. Yeah, that offense has been figured out. Like um, there's it's 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 a solved equation and you know you just have not seen them you haven't seen that offense like dominate a team for um for a sustained game like this this whole season i believe they got their first first half points of the season in this game of course it was a field goal because again no offensive touchdowns but they got their first three points scored in the first half of a game in week six. Just, it's just garbage. It's, and I have just a little, um, just a little something for the boy Kingsbury. Oh, brother, this guy stinks! (laughs) And that's all I have on Arizona. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Let's move on, man. Let's go with New York, New York. Going to discuss both of the New York teams here. Let's start first with those pesky Jets going up there to Green Bay, going up to Lambeau, and giving Aaron Rodgers the ski-daddle treatment. Got him out the paint. Um, They ended up winning that game um, 27-10. to Uh, Brees Hall was amazing in this game. (laughs) He had an amazing touchdown run where he, you know, evaded some defenders and just got out and boom, touchdown. Just beautiful thing to see. Going forward, their next five games are at the Broncos, the Patriots and Bills at home. They go on by, and then they have the Patriots and Bears. Um, Daryl, what are your prospects of this offense going forward from a fantasy perspective? Well, you're going to play Brees Hall no matter what. Um, but I will say, uh, you know, Broncos, Patriots, Bills, Patriots, you know, the, the next four games that they're going to have, those are some stout defenses that they're about to play. And I think it's going to require, it's going to end up requiring something of Zach Wilson in order to get these guys through. You're not just going to be able to, um, 
I, I think I'm pretty sure he didn't throw the ball even 25 times in this last uh, in, in this last game because they were they were just dominating um, Green Bay on defense, and so you know they they never really had to they weren't forced game script wise to open up the offense. Um, you know they have some. We've talked about this before. They have some really, really great pieces um, in that receiver room between Corey Davis and um, and on things. Oh, excuse, me. yeah, Garrett Wilson and uh, Elijah Moore. Two two pretty damn good. Well, one one pretty good running back. One damn good running back. Um, Michael Carter and Brees Hall, respectively. Tight ends between Conklin and Uzoma, like they have, they have pieces. It's just is Wilson the guy to unlock that when they need him to, and we we just haven't we just haven't seen that yet. So they're about to go against some defenses where you know, okay, maybe maybe the Broncos don't make them have to come out of their shell just because the Broncos' offense on the other end very likely won't be able to push back against what's shaping up to be a very good Jets defense. And, you know, we talked about this on the last pod. That Jets defense is not it's, – it's not the Jets defense from the last few years where, you know, that's just – was just a set it and forget it as far as uh, if your guys are playing the Jets, you just throw your guys in and don't, don't even worry about it. Like, no, this defense is – that defense is playing, man. They're, they're playing. So – you know, they may not have to come out of their shell too much against the Broncos because the Broncos just can't get it going against anybody. Patriots, you know, how Bailey Zappi played a good game this past week um, against. Uh, well, you know, granted this was against Cleveland and one of the one of the more terrible defenses in the league, but. The Patriots' offense has been looking better these past few weeks. They might be able to get them to open up. The Bills will certainly be able to flip the game script on the Jets, where the Jets can't just get by on um, on kind of dink and dunk running Brees and Michael Carter for thirty times a game. So you know we're going to find out a lot about them over this stretch. I can't sit here and say that I think Zach Wilson is the guy who's gonna who's gonna take them who you know, who's gonna be able just to support those fantasy options because I mean ever since he's come back, we haven't heard much out of um out of Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Corey Davis has become the leading receiver on the team uh with, with Zach Wilson. So those receiving options just seem pretty much untouchable right now. Well not untouchable, unplayable. Elijah Moore is pretty much droppable, especially in bye week season. So, you know, they're another offense. Like, I I really, I don't expect much because I don't know how much I believe, I don't really believe in Zach Wilson. But one thing I know for sure is, though, I'm going to play Brees, but everybody else, I'm going to hold on as long as I can. But if I need room on my roster, they got to go, except for Garrett Wilson. I'll hold, I feel okay holding on to Garrett Wilson, but everybody else, if I need room on my roster during these bye weeks, they got to go.
yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty much just up with you on that. Um yeah, since Zach Wilson came back, they're just kind of a basically equal passing, equal running type of team. And so when you have when you have that going on, and then you also have running backs that are involved in that passing share as well, there's not a lot of pie left. And the pie that is left in the way that they're playing and throwing the ball, it's it's not a lot of just outstanding targets out there. Uh, so here are some numbers for Garrett Wilson on his uh, targets per route ran the past four weeks, 19%, 17, 17, and then 38% against, um, against Green Bay. Corey Davis, 8%, 21, 14, 16. Elijah Moore, 17, 8%, 16%, 0%, a.k.a. wind sprint alert. Woof. So it's <laughs> it's not a huge kind of target share um, there, if you will. Probably the most consistent one is what? Probably at least Garrett because he's at least 17 or higher each week these past four weeks. So that that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I'm fine with still throwing out Garrett Wilson. Um, out there as a lower flex play as your wide receiver, uh, maybe three, late three, early four type. Um, these other guys, it's just going to depend upon how your bye weeks look, if they're going to enter your lineup. But, I mean, not even Elijah Moore, I, I couldn't truly defend putting him in out there. Um, running back-wise, yeah. Reese in, just leave him in there. The snaps have, again, gone up since week three. The rush attempts going up. The routes have pretty much gone up, except this past week, but probably didn't need him in that aspect there. So, Brees Hall going forward to me, league-winning running back, lower end, middle end, RB1. Put him in, set it, forget it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah no, no, no doubt there. I, I just slightly... It's a, it's a mild disagreement I have with with uh, with you about Garrett Wilson because like yes does the reason why I say he was a hold on to is is because of those um, those target share numbers that you mentioned but it's a decent sized target share of a small a small volume on pass right. attempts like true they're they're basically you know they're kind of like Atlanta Northeast uh, type of thing. You know, they want to pass the ball as, as little as possible. And so, you know, yeah, you could have a big target share, but, you know, four targets could end up being 25% of, of the, um, of, of the passing pie. And that's, it's what, what do you do with that? You know, I, this is nothing, this is nothing against the talent of Garrett Wilson, nothing against the talent of Elijah Moore, Hell, or even Corey Davis for that matter, but it's it's just such a low vo- volume passing offense. I just i I'd, I'd be really I'd be really frustrated if I was holding on to any of those players right now. That's you know, yeah. and I'd be I'd be trying to search for ways to not play them. If 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 I, you know, maybe your roster can't accommodate that, but if. Uh, if I had ways around not playing those guys, I would I would certainly explore. I think that's fair. Um, 
in the situations where I have Wilson, he's probably my fifth to sixth wide receiver. So I'm not actually really starting him, but I think as far as from a ranking standpoint, because of his talent and who he is, I think he's probably a lower in three upper in four. And that that's just my opinion on it. But let's move on. Let's talk about the other New York team. Those New York Giants, man. Impressive win against the Ravens. Um, I have a bone to pick with them. I'll discuss later on the betting side of things. But yeah, Daniel Jones and them. Five and one. <laughs> like, who would have thought? Not me. But here we are. Their next five games, they're going to Jacksonville. Then from Jacksonville, they're going to Seattle. They have their bye week. They have the Houston covers, Detroit Lions, and then they'll go to good old Dallas. So New York football giants, man, what you got on them? What you think of their fantasy prospects going forward? Well, they're, they're super interesting. You know, we, we were talking, we were talking before we started recording about how a team that really only has like one viable fantasy asset right now is, is doing this kind of damage in the win column. That's, it's it's kind of crazy to see, but when you watch them, when you watch them play, like they're, they're entertaining as hell to watch. You know, especially offensively, like they throw out, they throw out like crazy, crazy packages out there. Like they they ran a play last week with three running backs on the field. At one time, they ran a play with like four tight ends on the field. Oh, um, at, at one time, like. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it, it was super crazy. You know, I was listening to um, I was listening to Robert Mays on the Athletic podcast, and it was either him or Nate Tice made the point that they were doing that because they know that Baltimore was kind of beat up um, as far as like their linemen and linebacking core, or you know they just weren't that deep uh, in those areas. So they were saying. Hell, we're just gonna line up super heavy and we're gonna make you put those backups in the game and we're just gonna gash the hell out of you. And they ended up doing that. Um so like they're one of those, you know, by any means necessary kind of teams to win. And you know, I'm not gonna I can't sit here and pretend that that, you know, for as interesting as their offense is to watch and you know, they're they're kind of exciting to watch um play. I, I can't act like that offense is like super elite or, or, or anything like that, you know, especially from a fantasy standpoint as it, as it stands now, you know, I'm really only starting say only comfortable starting Saquon and that's about it. But I do want to get my hands on Wandale because, you know, the the boy came out and in his limited number of snaps, he really performed. And so, you know, from a guy who's just coming back off injury, I imagine they're just kind of, you know, easing him in and they'll ramp him up um, in, in, in the games to come. And if he's able to produce at that same level, um, you know, proportionally while being on the field more, you know, he 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 has all the paths in the world to be the number one wide receiver on that team between um, the myth that is Cardarius, Tony, um, whatever's going on with Galladay, um, and, you know, lack of competition from anywhere else except maybe Slayton. Um, 
yeah, I, Wandell is a is a strong like buy slash hold if 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 you got him. And with this upcoming schedule, looks like they'll have a chance to kind of get their sea legs under them and you know work some things out with this offense because you're not scared of the Jacksonville defense, you're not scared of the Seahawks defense. Texas defense has been decent, but you're not really scared of them either. You're certainly not afraid of the Lions defense. So, you know, they'll have a chance to, you know, get some real good reps in before they go to Dallas and um, have to see Micah Parsons in them. So um, I'd be, from a real football um, standpoint, I'll be excited to see how they develop over this, over these next few weeks. And from a fantasy perspective, you know, obviously playing Saquon, but, Daniel Jones could work his way into being at the very least bi-week startable, maybe even every week startable um, once once the buys kind of settle down. And Wandale has a chance to work himself up into into a flex, uh, into your flex position every week. And they're going to get the chance to do it. You know, they're not just going to go out there and get, you know, to compare them like to what we were saying with the Jets, you know, the Jets are about to play some serious for real defenses. The Giants, not so much. So, you know, they'll they'll, they'll get some training wheels type type experience going forward. So um, I'd be trying to get those pieces for sure. For sure, man. For me, it was two notes on Wondell Robinson uh, making his appearance back. Only ran 35% of the routes, but was targeted on 36% of the routes that he actually did run. So it looks like, excuse me, it looks like Daniel Jones was looking for him. So he's definitely a guy that I'm looking to add and stash for sure on my roster. Excuse me. With, uh, and then the second note with Bellinger, um, he's, he's again, kind of a, uh, what would I say? Probably around a, a tight end two in there somewhere between, you know, a 13 to 18 guy if you're doing a rankings type of thing. But, you know, they have the Seahawks in two weeks here. It's the same week that Kansas City and the Chargers are on by. So you'll be without Kelsey and or Everett. So he might be a nice little streaming option there. And that's pretty much it I have on the Giants. But hashtag good for them. Well, yeah, and you know what? I'm glad you brought up Bellinger because that it totally slipped my mind. Um, his usage this past week was excellent. Out there for 82% of the routes, targeted on 20% of the routes that he ran for an overall target share of uh, 20%. So, you know, that's uh, that's that's kind of spicy. That's that, that that That's really spicy. His usage is... Is, is perhaps ticking up a little bit. And, you know, again, we we keep saying, you know, bye week startable, bye week startable, but um, he's a guy you could do worse. And, you know, he'll, he'll be popping up on the show um, a, a little later, but he'll be doing so for a very good reason. Right on, my man. Well, let's continue with the wrap up with our last segment here. We call this segment doing it and doing it and doing it well. Shout out to L Cool J. We're just highlighting oh, I some get of a drop the... for that. <laughs> We're 
we're just highlighting some of the players this week that um, have had, you know, fantasy goodness in the past, and here they are again doing their dang thing. Um, shout outs, Ramon J. Stevenson, man. We were looking at this guy as like, yo, this dude's going to ball this week. And he did two touchdowns, 19 carries, 76 yards, went four for 15 in the air on five targets, 23 opportunities. Can't ask for more, man. Cannot ask for more. Yep, he was in a smash spot and he did it. We love to see it. I'm going to skip over the wide receivers. I'm going to come back to them and – we're going to highlight the two tight ends. First, George Kittle, 8 for 83 on 10 targets. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Kittle. We missed you. Yes, sir. Come on back. And then Mike Gesicki, 6 for 69. Two targets. Nice. One mean-ass skedaddle, a.k.a. a gritty? Nah, it was a skedaddle <laughs> <laughs> on, on, seven, on seven targets. Uh, so real quickly on these two, Daryl, um, any prospects, well, more so, we'll just stick with Gasicki. Any prospect on him being a streamer going forward or not? Well, so here's the thing. His usage went up this week as far as the amount he was on the field. Um, but the thing to keep in mind was that Durham Smythe, uh, one of the other tight ends on the team, was out this week. So – it remains to be seen if this was kind of a permanent move or was this just because he was pulling, um, picking up the slack from the team's other main tight end being out. So it's, it's hard to say. I wouldn't throw too much fab chasing, um, try, trying to chase that performance just, just because we, we don't really, we don't really know. Um, but again, we're in the bye week season and you may be put to some decisions depending on how deep your league is or depending on how um tight and greedy your your league mates have been. So he's an option, but I I feel like it's hard to it's hard for me to feel any level of conviction about investing in, in Gasicki right now. Um and so yeah, and you brought up Kittle as well. And this was pretty this was pretty interesting because we talked about him on uh on, on the last show. I think he was in uh he was in our Can He Do That segment. And he had he stepped up with a great performance. I have the feeling that a lot of that was driven by the fact that um they were put in a very pass heavy game script, you know, and Atlanta led by by two scores for a sizable portion of that game. So, you know, the 49ers were forced to pass quite a lot, which on the other end ended up affecting the hell out of uh, Jeff Wilson's performance this past week. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully this could be something uh, you could see out of Kittle going forward more. I wouldn't necessarily count on it, but – the 49ers did suffer a bunch of injuries um, to their defense. Uh, well, hell, it's been all throughout the year, but particularly in that game against Atlanta, I want to say like four or five of their starters sustained injuries in that game. So 
it could be a situation where that defense is not is not the dominating menace and bully that it had been throughout the year and you know they end up being a little more susceptible to getting points put on them which will in turn make that San Francisco pass offense have to open up a little bit more and mm-hmm. in turn get Kittle some more usage in the pass game because Kittle's usage, like as far as, you know, percentage of routes he had been out on and all that stuff, all that had been more or less fine since he's come back for injury. It's just that San Francisco hadn't been put in a position to have to pass like like that much and certainly not in a position where they were having to, to pass as much as they did, you know, against Atlanta. Um, but anyway, um, so, so yeah, that this could be a turning of the tide for – for for George Kittle, it's not like you were going to be sitting him or anything. Anyway, you know he's he's George damn Kittle, but um, you know m- maybe maybe this could be the start of something good as far as his um, his fantasy outlook goes. For sure, for sure. Let's get to those wide receivers on this week. Jamar Chase, welcome back home. Seven for one thirty two and two touchdowns on ten targets. The Miami boys, man, Tyreek, Jalen Waddle, 25 targets between the two of them. Hill went 12 for 177. Waddle went six for 129. Just <laughs> ridiculousness. And then to close out the other two, Michael Pittman, 13 for 134 on 16 targets. Man, um, a note on that game, the Colts had three wide receivers. I'm sorry. Three pass catchers with at least 10 targets or more. Just insane, insane madness. And then finally, Chase Claypool, 7 for 96 with a touchdown, caught all of his seven targets. So I'm going to turn it to you. Talk to me quickly on Claypool. Are there any, is there any goodness here going forward or was this just a one-off performance? Yeah. I it's hey man it's it's just hard to tell. Yeah, you 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 can tell by the humming and hawing that um yeah, there's there's an extreme lack of conviction on this. You know, Claypool saw a very good target share last game. I want to say he he saw nine targets in um in their in Pittsburgh's last game when they got rolled by Buffalo and then he follows it up with a seven target day in this game against uh Tampa. So this could be the start of something of something good for him. Maybe um, I just, you know, Deontay is going to get his. He's going to get his targets in any given week. Trying to see who's going to um, who's it going to be between Pickens and Claypool. I don't. I don't. I don't think we've seen enough yet to say for sure. You know which guy is going to come out on top. It could just be you know another. MVS and Juju kind of kind of situation there, but I think they're both they're both flex worthy at, at, at this point. You know, it was not too long ago that Claypool was extremely droppable. You know, this was like two two or three weeks ago. You know that 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 man was um, he he was on the scrap heap, and now um, now you know with with the bye weeks coming uh, coming fast and furious. Um, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't I wouldn't be too scared to put him in my um to to put him in my flex if if I need to. So I and for him, I think that's a lot of progress. You know, yeah, that's certainly a lot of progress. Um, so yeah, long may it rain because. <laughs> The Steelers, there. You know, we we've said this in at least an episode, maybe even a few. You know, they're in that same boat as like the Jets, where the offense has the weapons. It's just you know who's can can the quarterback unlock them? And we saw Mitch do. Mitch Trubisky came in for, I want to say, Kenny Pickett got a concussion. Um, Mitch yeah. Trubisky came in and. And played, you know, serviceably, and um, and and was able to give the offense a, a a little spark. So you know, at least they're not. You know, it was much better than than he had played in his previous performances. So, yeah, man, Claypool, I'd flex him. I I I'd definitely flex him. All right, good deal. Well, hey, that wraps up week six action. Let's get on to some additional content here. We're going to move on to our waivers, a.k.a. I got five on it. Doing our bidding process for these players. Uh, This waiver is a little bit different, at least in my opinion. It's a lot of guys that you're looking to add or stash for the future, not necessarily a lot of guys that you're adding in putting into your mix so are putting into your lineup so i'm not going to wax poetic much on these guys but we'll start with some of the running backs king and drake coming off that big performance against the bills uh jk dobbins dealing with something from the knee and you know we don't know the status of him so far so king and drake is probably the running back on the waiver wire that everybody's going to be running to but some look ahead, guys. No, go ahead. All right, you no, no, no. I, My bad. My bad. Uh, so another couple guys here looking ahead. Gus Edwards for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, that's just a, a look ahead to potentially adding with Dobbins having this knee issue. Donta Foreman for the Carolina Panthers. We've heard rumors on Christian McCaffrey um, being available for trade. And then Kyron Williams for the Rams. Uh, I don't know the exact status about if he's coming off the IR after the after their bye, but if he does come off, he he could be an option there um, along with Daryl Henderson. So those are four guys I had. You have a couple guys here, Daryl. Yeah. So um, I think Sony Michelle is a guy to maybe stash on the end of your bench. Um, Joshua Kelly uh, had an injury to his, it's either his MCL or his meniscus. It's, it's one of those knee things that starts with the M. I can't remember, but he's um, he's supposed to be out for a few weeks. And so, you know, we saw in the game against Denver that Sonny Michelle was running back up to Eckler um, but because of that. So, you know, it's, again, it's just an end of bench in case of, uh, in case the number one guy, goes down, you won't have to be running to the waiver wire because you already have them. And again, I know it's bye week, so you may not have the space. But in the event that you do, you could put a chip down on him. Um, we mentioned James Cook earlier, 
And that's, to me, that's just based off what we saw with Zach Moss being a healthy scratch in, you know, in an important game. You know, this game, that game that Buffalo played against Kansas City, that meant something, you know. Yeah, they want to win all their games. But, like, if you think about, um, if you think about last week um, when they played Pittsburgh, they had several players sit who, you know, they, the guys were injured, but it was the kind of situation where if it were a playoff game, they would have played. But because they were playing Pittsburgh, they were like, eh, y'all go rest. This game, they want to win because this, you know, the result of this game uh, could have a, could, the result of that game against KC could have impact on home field advantage come the AFC championship game or at some point in the playoffs. And the coaches, the coaching staff, they showed you who were their guys. Zach Moss is not their guy. James Cook is the guy. If, um, in the event that Devin Singletary goes down. So, He's worth a stash. And then Latavius Murray in the Monday night game, he pretty much took over the lead role from Melvin Gordon. And I saw um, an interview with Melvin Gordon after the game, and he said he wasn't injured or anything like that. Coach didn't tell him what was coming, but he did not see a carry in the second half of that game against the Chargers. It was pretty much all Murray and all Mike Boone and, and Murray got the majority of Murray ended up getting the majority of the carries for the Broncos in that game. So, you know, he's somebody who definitely shouldn't be on waiver wires, especially, uh, especially with these bodies. Oh, and I might add like he, he looked pretty decent too. You know, he, he's, he doesn't have the most juice in the world, but if I'm being honest, I think he looks better than what I've seen from Melvin so far this year. So, um, so yeah, Latavius Murray definitely should not be on any waiver wires. For sure, my man. Let's go wide receivers. Starting first with Alex Pierce. Man's getting an uptick in the routes that he's running. The past two weeks, he's run around 70 to 74% of the routes, up from 47, 40, 47 to 40 in the previous two weeks. And he's also producing. He was four for 80 against Tennessee three weeks ago, eight for 81 against Denver. And then this week he had the game winning touchdown on 49 yards. And then Wandell, a stash guy for sure. We talked about him earlier, um, getting a lot of the targets on the routes run and also had a touchdown as well. I see here you have three other guys for me. Yes, sir. So, Tyquan Thornton from uh, the Patriots found the found the end zone twice this past week. One on a um, on what looked like an end around, and another from uh, another on a reception from Bailey Zappi. Um, and he's he's their speed merchant um, kid out of Baylor. I believe he ran a four two something forty. He he was definitely sub four four. Um, I think he, I think it was like a four, two, something 40. Like he's, he's like the, pretty much the only speed merchant that they have in that wide receiver core. Um, and I believe that either that Nelson Aguilar was either benched or healthy scratched this past week. All, all this to say, I guess the, the, the upshot is Taquan Thornton has a path to becoming 
if not the number one, like the number two wide receiver in this uh in, in this offense. Definitely the deep play threat in that in that Patriots offense. So I think he's worth a stash. Um I put Allen Robinson down here because I'm I'm not sure how widely available he is, but in several leagues that I'm in, he was on the wave of wire. Hell, I waved him in a league um just last week my, myself. Gotta gotta keep it a hundred with the good listeners. Um and he finally showed some signs of life this past week. I don't know how sustainable that production is that he, that that he showed this past week against um against Carolina because if you looked at, you know, several of his catches were just like completely contested jump balls that he had to go up and get and that's that's not a way to to me I don't think that's a way to live, but it could be a sign that they're really going to try to get him worked into the offense. Van Jefferson is due to be coming back. So maybe that could open up a new role for Allen Robinson in the offense. Maybe it could end up being um, the death knell of him in the, in, in their offense. But I think he's worth um, holding on to just to kind of see how things play out for him going forward. And last but not least, I'll mention that Khalil Shakir is worth a pickup as well for the reasons that, we mentioned earlier, Isaiah McKenzie had the chance to slam the door shut on that um, on that slot role for the best offense in the league, and he did not. He flubbed his lines, so he left that door wide open for <laughs> Shakir to come through and, you know, if not outright win, then definitely be a thorn in the side. So, um, so yeah, I think Shakir is worth an add as well. Shiggity. Let's get to these tight ends. The two tight ends I have here are Hunter Henry and Robert Tanyan. These are if you're in a pinch, i.e. with bye weeks or you had an injury or something like that. I'm not really too keen on either of these guys based on their matchups this coming week. But Hunter Henry has had a significant increase in his snap share. A lot of that has had to do with the injury to John U. Smith. And Janu did play uh, this week, but who's to say what's going to happen the following week, if it's going to be a similar snap share the past two weeks or to what it was previous. So be aware of that caveat. And Robert Tanya is coming off a 10 for 90 performance. I'm not really big on the matchup against the commanders, but again, if you are in a pinch, it could be something to look at. He's had two games within I'm sorry, two games within the past four weeks where he's had 30% of the targets per route run. So just some tidbit to look at. Yeah, Um, I like those two, and I added two myself. Um, Daniel Bellinger, we we spoke about him earlier, and he saw his first game this past week where he was out on the field for over 80% of the routes, saw 20% of the targets, and – you know, this offense, that Giants offense is pointed up. And as we mentioned earlier, they have some, you know, some relatively soft matchups coming up. So, you know, when you, again, we'll keep harping on it, you mix in the fact that there are bye weeks and that tight end is, you know, you you got to get it how you live as far as filling your tight end spot. You could do worse than Daniel Bellinger 
And he's a guy I think that has some potential to, um, to maybe transition you out of streaming the position and could quite possibly become your, um, your every week starter. And Greg Dulcich, um, tight end for the Denver Broncos scored a long touchdown on a broken play, um, in Monday night's game, um, against the Chargers. And yeah, it was, it was a touchdown on, on a broken play. But if you look at the kids, um, if, if you look at his athletic profile and his production profile from college, he's, he, he's got everything that you want to see. Um, Alberto was a healthy scratch this past game and Greg Saubert didn't see much playing time compared to Dulcich this past game. So he could very well be in line to put the hammerlock on the Broncos tight end position. The big problem is it is the Broncos offense. So, you know, that's, um, that's not just a grain of salt. That is, um, that is a silo full of salt. So, um, you know, you just got to keep that in mind. But, um, you know, again, it's tight end. So you 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 take what you can get where you can get it. For sure. Finally, with quarterbacks, I just had one here, and that's Jameis Winston. If Andy Dalton happens to be out here, it's not for sure. I guess been said Jameis would start even if Dalton is out, but – it's just something to consider here. I do see here you have three guys for us to consider. I'm going to let you go in on those three. Yeah, so as a streaming possibility for week seven, I have Matt Ryan down. Um, the The Colts are playing the Tennessee Titans, and the Titans' pass defense on an EPA basis is terrible, like bottom one, terrible. So – you know, you have that, and then you see the way that the Colts approached this uh, last their last game against the Jaguars. They went up tempo. I want to say Matt Ryan dropped back um, 55, 56 times. It was somewhere north of 50 times that that they moved to the pass. And you know, Tennessee is very susceptible to the pass, and on the opposite end. Tennessee has a very stout run defense. So, you know, they could, you know, they, they very much shape up as what you would call a pass funnel. You know, the way to move the ball against them is to go the route of the pass. And we just saw that Indianapolis is willing to do that. So uh, I think he, he could be worth a flyer um, dur- during this, uh, during this bye week stretch in particular this week, because, we have Kirk Cousins on by. We have Jalen Hurts on by. We have Josh Allen on by. I, yeah, I forget good points. Who, who the fourth team is that's on by um, this week. But yeah, we 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 have basically like three top fifteen ish top guys and two top four uh, guys who are going to be on by. So I, I know a lot of I know a lot of folks are going to be looking for a lot of help off the wire, and you know. You can all the way quarterback is playing out this year. You can always maybe look for a little help where you can find it. Um, right. I also like to, yeah, I also like to point you towards Marcus Mariota. Um, they, you know, there's always the underlying rushing 
upside with him. They're not a high volume pass offense, those um those Atlanta Falcons. But the good thing with um with Mariota is with all that running, they do like to, you know, they have a lot of designed runs for him. He's very, you know, he he's very capable of scrambling. He's very willing to scramble when the time calls for it. And he has two elite passing weapons when it comes down to that in the pass game. So again, if you're looking for some bye week help, Mariota, not too shabby. And then lastly, I would like to point your attention to Trevor Lawrence coming off a week where he had two rushing touchdowns. Um, they were, they were goal line rushing touchdowns. And so, you know, that won't, that won't always be the case, but, um, you know, he does have rushing upside as well. And they have a pretty good matchup um, this this week. I want to say they are – oh, man. Now, now I'm forgetting who they have. But I, I know they have – I know that um, the Jaguars have a good matchup this week. And with the rushing floor that Trevor can give you, I think he can help get you through a bye week or two. In case, uh, in, in case you need him as well. So yeah, those are my uh, those are my punt plays at quarterback. Yeah, Jacksonville has the Giants this week. That's right. That's right. And the Giants' pass defense is not that, that. That's not a defense that you need to be afraid of by any stretch. They um, on an EPA per play basis, they they can get got and. You know, the Jacksonville offense has been a mixed bag. They're on the downtrend um, lately. You would have expected them to kind of show out at least somewhat against the um, against the Colts this past week. But you know, again with Trevor, there also is the rushing uh, the potential rushing floor. So you know, if you are in a pinch, he he would be the last of these guys. But if you're in a pinch. I think he'd he'd be a worthy stream this week. For sure, man. Well, that wraps up our waiver segment. Let's end the show with a little DBB, a.k.a. the Brothers Battle. Hadouken! (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we have a, a betting spreadsheet where we basically bet every game in the NFL, either the spread are the over under this week was not a great week for us. We both went seven and nine and we both had a lock. My lock hit with Philly shout out Jalen Hurts and them covering the four and a half. Your lock did not hit, gave you an extra three L's. You had the over in the Tampa Bay Pittsburgh game. Over under was 43 and a half. They came up with 38 of them things. I'll turn it over to you. What notes do you have for this week's action? Or this past week's action, rather? Well, you know, we we didn't talk about them, but that Tampa offense, that just everything about that just screamed smash spot because their their top line wide receivers healthy Tom Brady healthy Leonard Fournette healthy that Pittsburgh defense just got 
demolished. What, what, what did Emma Smith say that they got debacled last week <laughs> by, um, by the bills. And I know that the bucks aren't the bills, but you know, this was, I don't, I, I felt, I felt good about locking that in as my luck. Uh, sorry for the poor word smithiness there. Um, but yeah, Tampa just completely laid an egg on offense. Couldn't get that running game going. Um, Tom Brady yelling at everybody on the sidelines. Just <laughs> <laughs> that, that performance was just an absolute, just an absolute mess. And then the, the, the old rah rah Mike Tomlin spot. Shout out to, uh, the favorites. The rah rah. That's a, that's an action network. I'm sorry. That's a, <laughs> Yes, action network. But anyway, yeah. But yeah, I man, I I I felt very confident in that lock. That wasn't me, you know, throwing darts at the board and just for Tampa, you know. There's a I got one and a half eyebrows up when it comes to that Tampa that Tampa offense. So, you know, depending on how they how they come out this week. They could elevate to a full two eyebrows up and you know, get get lumped into that Green Bay category. But yeah, very disappointed. Very disappointed there, but I'll get back after it, man. I'll get back after it. What if what what about you? What's the uh what if anything stands out to you about the the gambling pickage from this week? Yeah, so Tampa was a nine-point favorite on our sheet this past week in week six. The week before that, they were a nine-point favorite um, against Atlanta. And then in week seven coming up, they're going to be an 11-point favorite, excuse me, um, against – I can't even think of who they're playing. I should know this. I entered it in the sheet a little while ago – Carolina. So three weeks in a row that they're big favorites – Gonna be interesting to see what my pick is there. The only note is I have for this start fading the books. It might be. <laughs> it might just be. Wow. My only note this week is that I had a whole lot of red going, but Baltimore and the Giants. Man, did you see what happened there late in the game or not? Um. Yeah, that Lamar interception you're talking about off like the. I don't know if it was a bad snap or he just mishandled the snap and then he. You're talking about that play? Well, yeah, that that happened, but not that particular play. So after they did get the ball back after the – I guess it was a fumble. I can't even remember what it was, but they got the ball back. Um, New York had a chance to score there with Saquon, and Saquon gave the old, nah, I'm going to slide down, big homie. And if he would have scored, it would have hit the over for both of us because we both were on the over that game. So – <laughs> if yeah, he does right. If he if he does that, that gets us both eight um wins on the week, but he slides, they take the they um run the timeout and we're left with a forty four total score on the over under of forty five. So bad beat alert, but you know, these things happen. I could have used those uh I could have used those fantasy points from him uh in, in one of my leagues as well. Um but Absolutely. So, so yeah, but you know what? It was 
I guess it was a smart thing to do, but that would have put them up. That would have put them up eleven points. Man, he should have. He should have yeah. taken them points. He should have taken that. Uh, you know, it gets to be like incentive time or whatever down at the end of the year, and he come up one TD short. <laughs> He's gonna look back at that and be super mad at himself. But anyway, yeah, that's a that that that's a terrible beat that. that I guess I had just uh, kind of made peace with that because there's no way I should have forgotten that. Right, right. Yeah, so that was it on week six. Uh, we'll flip over to week seven here. Just a couple notes on the upcoming week of lines. We didn't, well, I didn't have a line for the Jets and Denver yet. I'm assuming that has to do with Russ's hamstring. Um, the other two notes I had, Tampa Bay, an 11-point favorite against Carolina. It's like, man, Tampa can't cover these big numbers. Am I really going to pick Carolina? I don't know. I do not know. And then the other the other line I was looking at here are the Chargers, um, six-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Seattle. Uh I don't Ooh. know. <laughs> I I I don't I don't know based off of what I just seen this past um this past Monday, but gonna take a look at some numbers and get on that soon. Any of these yeah. interest you? Well that's Seattle, um that's Seattle Chargers line. That that is an interesting one because you know, the Chargers offense was none too impressive. It was not this past week, but that but then again, that was the Denver defense that they were facing. But then again, that Chargers offense has been less than explosive throughout this year. So, except for when they played Cleveland, which you know you're just supposed to do that against Cleveland. So you know what? You're supposed to do that against Seattle too. So maybe maybe the Chargers, maybe they're that kind of good team, right? Maybe they're maybe they're that kind of team. Like they take care of. Um, they take care of, you know, all the light work that they're supposed to take care of. It's just that heavy lifting that is a struggle for them. Um, you know, we'll we'll find that out. Um, we'll find that out this week when they play Seattle. Um, but also, you know, man, do you just off the top, off the top right here, say this and then y'all, we'll, we'll go. We won't keep you fine people any longer. Do you think that our Houston covers can cover that seven in Las Vegas? They can do that, but I don't know if they will Ooh. do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's within the realm of possibilities, but um, both of them are coming off of bye weeks. Uh, Vegas, Vegas needs to get right after that tough loss in, in Kansas City. So, so narrative-wise, it's hard for me to pick Houston based on that, especially with Houston traveling. But, I mean, anything is possible. Okay. I think they got it, but, you know, Okay. I'm not going to lock it into the sheet just yet. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, put it on the sheet then. <laughs> yeah, put it on the sheet, flip one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just my instinct right now. Right on, my man. Well, hey, another show in the books, my man. Um, you got anything for the people before we head out of here? No, man. Uh, just good luck 
tonight on your waiver runs and, um, you know, come on back in a couple of days. We'll have our week seven preview up on the stream in uh, just a couple of days and we'll get you right for week seven, man. Sounds good. Well, hey, if you want to reach us, hit us on the email, thebrothersff at gmail.com, dabrothersff at gmail.com. This is Derek, my brother Daryl, us signing out. Y'all have a good one. Peace.